0: All right, welcome to another episode of Canon Calls. I'm your host, Jake McAtee, and this week I had a special guest named John Higgins on the show to talk about his YouTube channel, which is The Bible is Art. We talk about how to get more out of your Bible reading and that the takeaways and edification doesn't just come from the epistles and in the imperatives of do this or do that or don't do this, don't do that. But, as the Proverbs say, God has hidden things and it is the glory of man, the glory of kings, to search things out. As the discussion went on, one book off of the canon shelf that I wanted to recommend to you guys was called Angels in the Architecture, A Protestant Vision for Middle Earth. This book came to mind as a very practical outworking of what Christians view as beauty and beauty in the everyday. The Middle Ages and Reformation began a conversation about truth, beauty, and goodness. Modernity and postmodernism tragically interrupted that conversation, and modern evangelicalism has often simply echoed the hollowness of our modern culture. But, we can do better. Sadly, many Christians, while continuing to believe in the gospel, have become just as blind to the beauty of the universe and the need for a culture in which that beauty is recognized and cultivated. This book sketches a vision of the medieval Protestantism, covering such topics as creeds, poetry, history, the church, feasting, and storytelling, and they are to be found in the Christian faith alone. You can get Angels in the Architecture at canonpress.com. I really can't recommend this book enough. So, without further ado, meet John Higgins. Alrighty, welcome to another episode of Canon Calls. This week, special guest, John Higgins of the YouTube channel, The Bible is Art. John, thank you for hanging out, especially on such short notice. I'm
1: very happy to be here. Thanks so much, Jake.
0: As I said, you have a YouTube channel. Uh, Could you just do us a favor? Introduce us to who you are.
1: Yeah. So I, uh, run a YouTube channel called the Bible's art, like you said, and it produces videos on literary artistry of the Bible, different aspects of the literary artistry of the Bible. Um, and, uh, so that's, that's, that's the main theme of it, but, uh, sort of overall it goes into, um, um, theology of beauty, uh, Christian thinking about beauty. So we delve into film and literature and painting and, Um, anything that uh that that touches on um um, aesthetics from a christian perspective okay and then you mentioned too you have a podcast Mm -hmm.
0: what else so what is what 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 is that what is that
1: so that's that's just the audio version of that's okay okay there we go there we go a little more accessible so are you running that full time no, no. This is a uh this is a side hustle. Yeah, it's it. uh All right. it's it's my uh sort of passion project.
0: Okay, cool. That's awesome. That's awesome. So, uh now you mentioned it's the Bible as art, you cover several different topics. Uh the Bible as art as opposed to what?
1: Yeah, okay, that's a great question. So, um uh sometimes people get confused and they say the Bible as art because they think it has to do with something like <laughs> like Bible pictures or something like that it doesn't have anything to do with that um by art in the in the in the older sense of the term and 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 in in the sense of skill so you know back in when when i was in in graduate school i i started reading um a handful of different authors so you, you know i m- my education was in a sort of um um sort of standard uh kind of evangelical uh way to read the bible, which is great and um But what, what I found is there were these, there were these authors, um, some evangelical, some, some not who started writing these. And this, this, this started happening back in, um, eighties, a little bit before then. Whoa. Um, yeah, yeah. Just kidding. (laughs) (laughs) Can you believe it? Um, and, uh, they were, and they were, they're picking up on, er, on earlier traditions from, from the fathers, from medieval rabbis and things like this, but, um, And, and they were, they were saying, you know, the Bible isn't um, uh, this, it's not just a vessel for doctrine. um, It's not just a moral guidebook, but it is an aesthetically sophisticated document where every word and phrase has been specifically crafted um, for the end of the author, right? And so, and and you would get these authors. And so these are authors like and they sort of group into, so there's a, a, a set of um, uh, uh, Jewish authors like uh, Robert Alter and Shimon bar Fraud and Mayor Sternberg. And there are some evangelical authors like, you know, Peter Lighthard and James Jordan and Warren Austin Gage and Greg Beal. And, and, but they all, they all shared this assumption that the Bible is a deep text and there are multiple levels in it and um and and it's not just an understanding the bible as a work of literary genius is not just kind of like a fun thing to do there's a great uh essay by by um jan i'm not sure how you pronounce the name jan fokelman on his website um who uh on the on this topic and he says you know it's literary interpretation narrative interpretation of the bible is isn't just one among many. So your redactional criticism and all these different types of things is like, if you understand what the Bible is, what genus it's a part, it is a book and it's mostly stories and poetry. And so the way that you interpret this is by literary tools, right? And so, um, and so the form is part of the content. These things are, are, are married right and and it's one thing and it's not just the husk to get something else but it's one big beautiful thing there it is so um that's really really good so
0: you said you found or you started reading you came across guys in the 80s who were doing a bit of this and then you thought uh, you, what did that add to your already you said you kind of had a baseline evangelical uh, Bible reading sort of, uh, software going, Yeah, what did
1: it add to your reading? Yeah. Yeah. So I, so I, I, I at first, you know, I began to be interested at first. I was, I was studying philosophy and, um, I, I began to be interested in aesthetics, you know, just the, the study of beauty, the, the, um, and uh, when i started to read these guys it was it was it was opening up a whole new world for me and you know i, I always think about you know what what makes a good one of the features that makes a good teacher is when n- not just that they're 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 teaching you isolated helpful facts as important as that is but they're teaching you to be a better noticer of the world and i i noticed with all of these authors when i would read them they would be helping me read the world better and it wasn't just that that i learned you know cuz sometimes you'll read through some authors and be like here's here's just a whole cornucopia of or interpretive options and i'm picking c and you're like okay no but these it, it's like they 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 are they are guiding you into in into the world to to inhabit the world in different ways and so you can see you know what one of one of the fascinating things, and, and this is part of the idea of the whole channel, is that this transforms how, how you see the whole world. One of the more fascinating things I've been thinking of in the in the past years about is is about how the world is designed in layers. You know, so if if you um if you go to if you go to college and you sit down at the registrar and you're like, she's like, hey, what do you want to study? And you're like, the world. And she's like, no, you can't do that. You got to like pick a layer, you know? So, like, <laughs> right. what strata do you want? And it didn't have to be that way, right? Like, it could be, you could just like look at your thumb under a microscope and it's just like skin all the way down. No, but there's, there's like cells. And then there's, those cells are made up of chemicals and the chemicals are made out of ato- atoms and there's subatomic particles. And each of these has a whole, self-contained world that relates to the different. And this is like how the whole world is constructed. That's how literature is constructed. You know, so so um, whether it's a movie or whatever narrative art it is, a story, they're broken up into acts and scenes and episodes and paragraphs and words. And to understand the whole, you have to understand the parts. And this whole thing is one big thing. And so when you're, when you're learning aesthetics or just beauty the form of how things fit together it's helping you understand the whole world
0: that's good so um you as a uh not only as a student but i'm sure as you as you taught you know uh the the baseline evangelical bible reading strategy is somewhat new um there are pa- there are times in our history as a church that uh, there have been some wild reading times or the things that they applied to the text were just like a circus. Uh, Very exciting and thrilling and everything else. So um, what do you think? I assume you started this channel because you saw uh, a need in the market. There wasn't someone doing this consistently with as much pressure as as you thought you could give to it. So uh, why do you think... um, other than the obvious, you love this. Yeah. Why do you think your channel is necessary right now? What happened that we've sort of uh, flattened out the text in yeah. a way contrary to what you want to
1: see? Yeah, 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 okay. Two questions. One, the negative one about crazy stuff. Um, <sighs> well, you know, it's th- not always negative. <laughs> yeah, it's not always no. negative. Yeah, no, I agree. I, I, you know, and I, I, I think that the fathers, uh, uh, the medieval's. They had good intuitions, but sometimes they lacked precision. Um, Moderns, modern evangelicals, are the opposite. There's a high degree of precision. We We know more about the languages and everything, but there's not great intuitions. Um, and so you can read through this highly technical thing, get done with a thousand pages, and have no greater understanding of a story. You know, um, as many Greek so, studies as you want, and you still don't understand
0: the simple plot.
1: Yes, yes, and and it's fascinating how many of these questions I just um, last week was was preaching on as um, the story of Ananias and Sapphira, and I and as I was preparing, it's like you know I'm I'm going through here, you and. And, and this, is, this is going to start touching on the second part of your course, like, why, why is this in need? One is that, yeah, the first thing is what you said, I just have an aesthetic love for this. You know, I, I just find this the most thrilling and fascinating thing about the world. But the, but the second thing is, is that I found that there's a big, um, a, a practical push um, in a lot of churches uh, and, and a lot of pastors feel this pressure to you know what I really need to do is to give the parishioners a list of things to do right and so like a, a sermon is completed once I, once I have provided this list of things to do and and what's fascinating to me is that if you just take a sort of like a prima facie just just read it over reading of the text and ask yourself how much like stories as opposed to like Application is there for the first hearers of this thing. And the wild thing is, is that there's actually not a tons of direct application. Much later when you get into, you know, the epistles, but you, you think about Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, these things for the first years, they're not command telling them to doing doing them, doing things, they're stories from the past, right? It's just like 10 steps to preserving your race <laughs> with Esther, you know? <laughs> yeah. And, but see, but I think there's this like, really fascinating like theological and ethical point to that. Because, and, and, and I kind of think that the Bible is like one big ewe lamb story with David and Nathan, right? So it's like, you know, David sins with Bathsheba, Nathan comes to him, and what does he do? He tells her a story, tells him a story. Why? Well, presumably because commands would not be able to access David at that point. You needed a more potent tool, and so, so he, so he tells him this story, and and I kind of view that as the structure of the Bible, because like you know when when people and we've all heard this before, like you're you're teaching or you're in a Bible study or something, and people come and and you're you're explaining to us and they say, well, how does this? What does this have to do with me? You know, and 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 the one and the one hand, you could view that as like good, but there could be a negative side to that, where like everything has to relate to me. And it's like maybe it's good that you spend forty minutes relinquishing attention on yourself and involving yourself in the world of another and their concerns. <laughs> you know, I'm offended and maybe as a that's... modern that you would even propose such a thing. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, and like and like I think that that's kind of part of the Bible where it's like, "Hey, maybe what's going on with your sister, maybe you need to hear what God was doing with Abraham." Yeah, so but but my sister, it's like just forget about that for 40 minutes.
0: Yeah, this is uh essentially slipping past the Louisian dragons of sorts. That's that's how yeah. Lewis described his conversion of myth was able to uh, slip past What he was ready in terms of uh, nonfiction arguments and premises, myth sort of slipped past that and and got a hold of his
1: affections and loyalties, which is sort of cheating. (laughs) Well, yeah, yeah, cheating is one way to describe it. Like the other way, the the other way that you could describe it is like if 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 life is a story, you know, then addressing us in story is its most native form, you know, and so it's like. One thing is, is there is that just sort of like enter, entertainment aspect of kind of like slipping stuff in. But also it's like that is how we live, you know? Right, right, right. And, and just as human beings, like yeah. these
0: are uh, sort of uh, human beings are not
1: necessarily logic choppers as much mm. as they might think they'd like to be. Yeah, 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 yeah. right, 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 right. There, there, there's, there's more to life than just logic. Right.
0: So maybe this will resonate with you a bit as well. So uh, coming up as a young man myself, I was a total mark for the young, reformed, and restless because I grew up in a non-denominational church, and largely the preaching uh, wasn't— it just—you sort of felt uh, like—what's the old saying of if uh, the the text had chicken pox, the pastor always sort of made it out healthy? (sighs) Um, it wasn't that it was bad. It was just, and I don't even know that it was overly practical, but there just wasn't a lot going on. Nothing, and you know, there was nothing that was said that just inspired me to go read that or what have you. So then the, the Young Reformed Restless happened. I was like just north of Matt Chandler's church. It was like, wow, I've never heard preaching like this. And in particular to this conversation, what I'm thinking is there's the classic Matt Chandler, uh, which I think in all fairness, I recently saw you took this back, but there was the You're Not David. When you, you know, basically making a rhetorical mark that when you look at the text, uh, there are those who, there are those preachers, generally like the Stephen Furticks of the world, that want to cast themselves as a hero. And they do, you know, things that make yeah. you like kind of squirm a bit. Yeah. Um, and so it was like, yeah, absolutely. Uh, you're not the hero. You're not David. If anything, you're like the cowards on the sideline. Yeah. Um, and then that's sort of gone away and just getting... Older and hopefully more mature, you kind of think to yourself, you know if there's anything there's something to that though where you say, uh, if you want to be anybody in the story, let's not strive to be the cowards. Um, yeah. you definitely don't want to be Goliath. uh yeah. <laughs> let's find out, you know it, it's not just that uh, Jesus is David, you're the coward, sin and death is the Goliath. yeah, that's a fair reading of the text, but I think it would be. Just as fair to uh view it another way does that does that uh brief historical
1: synopsis does, does that resonate at all with you is that totally oh yeah we, yeah i I've thought about this a lot because because that's that, that that was kind of like you know um we, everyone in the well okay let me let me take one step back and and talk about your uh your your narrative of the young rest- restless and reformed. I find this and is particularly you know like when when people are coming of age and if 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 their church does not have any uh, much ballast, um, they're they're going to look for something. I mean that's just the nature of life. You know you're grown up. You you want to go deeper in things and I you know and I, and this this is a lot with, with young men too, and so you look around for options and the options are you know when 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 we were younger, you know it, it was like, "Oh, doctrine, you know, and it's like, yeah, absolutely, that's great another another big one is like apologetics, you know, um, and what I find is like I mean, those are all great, and I would never want to uh, dissuade any of those. um those are important parts of the world, and you know part part of what I'm trying to communicate is is that the world is deep and rich and layer, and there are there are many things going on in it that God has created and um but one thing the important thing about understanding the bible as it is as a deep rich literary art is is you can apply that same level of intellectual depth and rigor to the text itself it can withstand that it it has resources there for you you know and um and i think that this also allows people to read more of the bible than uh just paul which i found myself in that situation where for you know years of just because I, I was the same as you just like reading paul romans romans over and, over and over and over and over and over again is that i found myself incapable of really understanding most of the bible you know and um, that informed paul's letters yeah, exactly, exactly. And, and and what's fascinating is it's like you you take like allegory, which has become a curse word, um, uh, um, amongst evangelicals, um, or at least negative, I should say. Um, and I'm like the the I think the only use of it in the Bible is with Paul, and he's using it in a positive manner. <laughs> right, right. You know, and it's it's not that it's like of course I'm I'm being a little facetious, right? But like no, that's but, true though. That's true. And, and not an easy text either. No, no, no. But it's like but but there's something else going on and 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 to your point about the the you know that uh, in especially in the reformed world of which I count myself a part um you, you know that thing about about you know don't don't ever take these characters as examples for character um they're all pointing to Jesus well they're obviously pointing to Jesus but it seems exceedingly strange to, to say to an author that this author d- in no sense wanted you to emulate this character at all,
0: or yeah, consider his qualities, or <laughs> yeah. you know, as it's, it's it's yeah. But like I said, that was so for some reason rhetorically powerful in the moment. Um, yeah, yeah.
1: Well, and and perhaps that that was one. You know, like different authors and different and different truths hit you at different times, and so maybe that was just like an important thing at the time. But yeah, I think I think it can be it can be overblown, and you know, you know, uh, understanding the the text as literary rich just means. You're paying attention to the surface of the text, whatever it is. And the fascinating thing is that it's, it's frequently very surprising, you know, and I I just recently d- did a video on Zacchaeus, you know, and it's like, you've got all this stuff about like, what's this stuff about going up a tree and going down again? Yeah. You know, what, what is that? Right. You know, you know it's like, it's, and, and we, we normally think about it as like, these are fun details. They're filling out the scene, but. But the Bible is very sparse on details. It's not like Victorian prose um, that has a lot of scene setting. All of the details are adding to the thesis and themes of the author in interesting ways.
0: What I'm curious about actually is when someone, I've noticed this in myself, when I try to pass on, uh, a love for the text like you are exhibiting currently to someone who doesn't, um, it's interesting. It kind of, I, I feel like at times I get the uh, a reaction that's sort of like um, the what I get when I try to give a love for poetry to someone where mm. uh, someone gets quickly annoyed with or a sort of distrust with the text where it's like, oh, I don't want to read poetry because it's like the author is sort of withholding something from me is the premise and I don't get it. And now I feel like we got beef, me and the author, and he's sort of being a jerk. I've experienced that when talking about how to read the text, read the Bible in a certain way. What has been your reactions uh, to your channel? I assume they're positive, but have you experienced
1: anything like that? You know, overall, it's overall it's positive, and just in in teaching like this for for many many years, it, it's it's overall positive. You know, the the neg the negative things are uh, first. There's like a distrust because for a long time there was a lit- when you talked about literary stuff with the Bible, you ha- you had the association of oh, you don't think it's true, right? Well, in 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 most of the settings, everyone knows. Well, yeah, obviously it's true, but it's also beautiful. <laughs> right and why why would you expect anything from our god you know um when when you look at what he does like what 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 would you expect it to be you know what it would expect it to be um um precise and beautiful and layered um it's like yeah yeah so 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 there's that aspect um i i think the other thing is that it just takes time you know there's some things if he's be, be like Hey, you know, like how long? Do, like how long does it take to communicate a per, a person from one person to another? And you're like, oh, well, that's that like takes a long time, you know. So it's like, it's just it's just hard. And like with like especially with like poetry, you know, it's um, uh, it, it 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 takes a while because of that withholding thing. You know, the the fascinating thing, I, I think, I think that that is um the the aspect of you know you know there's a proverb that says um it, it's it's the glory of God to conceal a matter. But the glory of kings to search a matter out, um, which is just amazing. I like I <laughs> I I I did a video on the, on the whole book of Proverbs where I talk about the whole narrative thread of uh, of Proverbs. And what's fascinating is is that as you go through Proverbs, you get increasing complexity. Okay, so in in Proverbs ten, where the sort of what we think about as Proverbs began, the Proverbs of Solomon, you start out with this. With, with a proverb that says, you know, um, a wise son is a joy to his father, but a foolish son is a sorrow to his mother or something to that effect. And you're like, okay, yeah, I, yeah, I can, yeah, I get that. Okay. And then, and then you move to these chapters later and, and the opening of the, the book is a whole chiasm. And on the other side of that chiasm, the opening one is that, ver- that verse, Right. It's a glory of God to conceal matter and glory of kings to search the matter out. So you're like, okay, we started with wise son, happy father, foolish son, sad mother. And we get, we're getting closer to the end. And it's like, hey, God hides stuff. And you're like, what? <laughs> and you're like, we're, this, is, this is a development. This is different. And, and, and the fascinating thing is that it's like, and and i don't know if this helps and maybe this is just more um uh more concealment but i'm like everything's hidden like everything's hidden until you discover it you know like physics chemistry people's thoughts like every everything is hidden like what you're going to do tomorrow morning like w- w- and so it's like all of life is like a journey of like concealment and revealing you know every every story like there's this great uh, Mayor Sternberg, who at this you know one of the seminal books on the poetics of biblical narrative, has a whole chapter on gaps, where he talks about how um, he's he's like every story works on works on gaps and you having to fill these in. And he tells this like little nursery rhyme about Johnny going up a tree and coming down and his pants are ripped. And he's like, we assume that the pants were ripped because of the tree, but the author nowhere says it. And so it's like literally every story. Every conversation we are filling in gaps, you know, so it's 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 this whole like adventure of like concealment and discovery
0: that's good that's good, and I think maybe what some of it is is we are very used to edification via bottom line where mm. hey i'll like here's a sermon and here are the three takeaways, go and be edified, et etc, or sort of yeah. uh, a general uh, uh, the letters, sort of nonfiction edification, mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. not trusting or just feeling very uh, dissatisfied with the edification of hunting, mm-hmm. or mm-hmm. or approaching the text with that kind of curiosity, um, which. Like I said, I, how, how would you, so let's say I didn't, by the way, with the question earlier, I didn't assume you were getting bad takes or bad responses from your stuff, but it, it, let's say if somebody had that general overview of like, well, the minute we get into literature and poetry, like who knows and who's to say, wh- what do you, what's, what are ways that you tell folks besides, you know, be edified by my channel and the things that I exhibit <laughs> and imitate me. And I, I don't mean that in a bad way. That's obviously yeah, what yeah, you're yeah. doing. Um, what are, what are like. Do you give them, like, take-homes, you know? Like, one thing I was thinking of um, is I often hear of... uh, We're doing the Bible reading challenge over here, which is... Yeah, yeah, totally. uh, And I was thinking about how good it is to just be reading and moving on. Mm. And just knowing I'm going to be... I'll be in that text again sometime soon, but it's not... Yeah. There's a place for, you know, pouring over a text, but really the benefit of being so familiar and sort of copious with texts um, that the Bible reading challenge sort of, I think promotes, uh, is that, how would you, how would you promote something of like, how do, how do I gin up curiosity?
1: Mm. Yeah. I mean, okay. Two thoughts. One is, you know, like a lot of beauty is self evidencing. And so if, if, if you go to the grand Canyon or my wife who's <laughs> beautiful Sure. and and you're like hey can you be like look at this and they're like yeah i don't get it and i'm like well <laughs> i could present you with a set of arguments but none of them are going to be as convincing as the reality of itself so like so i find like just having that time like in sunday school unfolding the text for people is like 99% of the time is like the scriptures are amazing you yeah. know I think the other thing is is back to like your point I'm not sure how you said it about like the work or the discovery aspect of it. like I remember Peter lighthart talking about this once about like you know Genesis one, you know you have uh um you know all the discussions about like what constitute like what is the image of god and he's like let's let's just like table those for a second, but let's just like if we're in the image of God day six, um what has God been doing up to that point? and you're like, well. Like, day, like, he, like he created everything, and then we start with, like, dark, water-covering Earth. And it's, like, day one, we're, like, turning lights on, and we're separating light from darkness, and that's good. But apparently, that wasn't good enough, because we got a next day, and we want to make something even better. And so he takes hold of creation, he moves it around, separates, brings together, da-da-da, good. Apparently, that's not good enough. Right, so it's the, it's the, it's this like series of like grabbing hold of the world, transforming it in certain ways, making it better, more glorious for God, for man, and and doing it again. And what's fascinating is, you know, like you then get the garden, and then it's like, I want you to go into the world, I want you to subdue it and rule it, which assumes that the world is not subdued and not ruled, right? Yep. So it's like right. not finished. And right. so, like, you you got all this work to do. It's like it's like we were set here to do a bunch of work: intellectual work, physical work, emotional work. And so, like, th- and and that's just like the fundamental thing about everything. We're supposed to like take this thing apart, put it back together, so that it's more glorious for God and man, you know. So, like, and I, and 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 so like that that whole process is like. That's life, and 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 to 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 say like, well, I I I want everything to be here on a platter. Like, I want my apples and my donuts to be delivered to my door. It's like that's not the plan, bro. Right, right, right,
0: absolutely. So you kind of, uh, it's funny. I t- I tell you, these these never really go as planned. So I I hope you're laughing at the way I laid out this conversation for you. Oh
1: no, that's totally fine. Um, I get it.
0: At the beginning, but the, ma- the major question, one of your, uh, you're currently writing a book, as I understand it, mm-hmm. um, and you're sort of teaching through a series on your channel uh, under a playlist uh, called A Christian Guide to Beauty and Design. Um, one of the questions that I have in terms of uh, objectivity of beauty, which you say mm-hmm. that's what beauty is, objective. Um, the stakes to this conversation seem very interesting and if someone were to go and check it out which i hope everybody does um it's this is not a bottom rung uh class discussion i would say this is a bit elevated in speech elevated in in concepts and ideas i think which you do a great job of uh making plain but it is an insanely practical issue it seems you know if i were to recommend this to somebody. Uh or even just get into a discussion about what do you like? What do you find attractive? It's a that's a very personal thing uh to someone, if somebody were to tell me that kind of thing. It's a weird
1: mm-hmm.
0: it's a weird question to ask, but it's a very <laughs> personal thing. And then if I were to say wrong, <laughs> <laughs> um it's a very it, it's very interesting. And I it seems as a conclusion that you uh if God is beautiful and God has opinions about what is beautiful, it's possible to fall on the other side of that in terms of saying, "Nope, I don't like that. I like this." Uh, how, how has that discussion gone for you, and what's the feedback been like? And and maybe how did you even get into this?
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, so so now we're taking a st- one step up, right? So right. L- l- like I said before, like I'm. I'm interested in beauty in general, how it applies to all of creation, whether it's literature or whether it's music or art or architecture, and um, and and I, I work in design, and um, and what was fascinating to me is that um, I I used to teach high school and and we had a, our, our seniors did a senior thesis and um and so I had each of them tackle a, a Christian view of x you know uh, mathematics and um and and one of them was beauty and as i was hunting around for literature i, f- I found that there was a lot of um books that were th- especially uh, it, this has been a concern as of the, the last 10 years um but they're very abstract um and so um you you would just talk in general about beauty but it, it wouldn't say anything really in particular about beauty or it's like well i'm kind of interested in the thing like tell me w- what is beauty you know um and and what was fascinating is that you know i i had these two worlds of of my, my theological background and then the pac- practical you, you know my background as a designer um and what's fascinating is that when you when you open up these these all the textbooks the design textbooks you just have like A list of aesthetic properties right like unity diversity hierarchy scale proportion right and and so and and they're they're like very universal so it's like if you're if you're in a um you know a a a design shop or you're a design team at, at a company or whatever and you go to your art director and you have a brochure or whatever it's it's like you're gonna go in and he's gonna say well Uh, the type's good here but the contrast is bad here we need to do this and and there's too many choices here right and and these are going to be accepted just as much as if you work at boeing and you know you have newton's three laws of gravity and how to do differential equations and that's accepted if you were to come in and say oh no um, um you see i did this different because i disagree with how you calculate a differential equation They'd be like, they wouldn't be like enter into a discussion. They'd be like, oh, this guy, like maybe he didn't go to school, or like, you know, he's just like way off, off base. He he's not an engineer, um, and so so, like I I had these two two colliding worlds, but I couldn't find anything that just seemed to me to be absolutely obviously clear propositions about beauty, about how it exists, because. God exists and he's objective. He's the source of all things. He's the source of truth, beauty, and goodness. And we spent a lot of our time um, as Christians, especially in the 20th century, defending uh, the objectivity of truth, the objectivity of uh, goodness that is right and wrong. Um, But we haven't spent a lot of time. And there's been a lot of um, acquiescence to the belief that, oh, no, beauty is not objective. And it's not subjective; it's just all subjective taste, um, and so, so I, I think it's 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 super important, and especially like talking with people. It is shocking, um, you you know how, how many how many people you can talk to, just normal normal Christians who who would agree with the objectivity of truth and beauty of these two other transcendentals. Um, but when it comes to the beauty, uh, it's just like, oh well, no, 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 that's like completely different. And you're like, wait, what? And and that's that's and that's in contrast, like I said, to if if you're actually in the design world, it operates with these operating objective standards. Now, of course, if you were to talk to them, you say, "Well, no, no, da 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 da." But if you actually look at how they live, right, they live as if these are completely standard objective things that everyone has to abide by. Yep. Exactly. Exactly. Yep. Yep and and so um so i think it's important and i think it's an, it, it's super important practically um when people are evaluating artwork um when they're uh, uh, evaluating any any type of thing because it, it actually makes you a a better um you know child of god to be working in the world because the other the other thing about uh, about this book is that it's you know it's about it's about visual design but it it touches on everything because things that are beautiful there's, there's transcendental properties, right? Like, for instance, unity and diversity. Um, both of these things, for something to be beautiful, to be well-designed, it has to have unity and diversity. And that's true in music. It's true in, 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 in graphic design. It's true in architecture. It's true in all these things. And the reason, and, and, and the, other, the other main thread of the, of, of the book is connecting it to God right and so like one of the really fascinating sort of confluences of history is that um one of the first questions in church history was one of the first questions in philosophical history so you have the problem of the one and the many in philosophy understanding how unity and multiplicity and what's primary relate and the question of how god the father relates to god the son or how multiplicity relates to unity and so both of these questions and and of course the answer that, that came down upon is that both are fundamental in God. You have one God and three persons. And so this is a primary theological principle, and that's why it's a primary theological and primary aesthetic principle, right? Because God is beautiful. And so, so as, as, I, as, I'm, as I'm working through these matters, we're talking about the different properties of beauty, but also how they're grounded in God's nature, that's good. So
0: what would you say, then, if someone says, well, John, of course, truth, like the objectivity of truth is, of course, absolute. Uh, any Christian would believe that or else, you know, who knows what would happen after that. And, of course, morality, because, uh, you know, if you let that one slide 10 feet, then it's gay marriage and gay whatever. And yeah. so all of a sudden these, these have very practical things that we can look out in culture and see. Uh, zoinks. We don't want that. (laughs) Um, how would you talk to that person if they said, but at the end of the day, um, who's really to say about beauty? I mean, you like, uh, your wife, he likes his, or he doesn't like his wife and he just grew out of that. And like, how how do you defend beauty's objectivity and, and, Mm. and what's at stake by not doing so? Like what's it really going to hurt?
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, th- those two questions. Let's 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 take the objectivity argument first, and then we'll talk about um, what are the consequences of non-objectivity. Um, so I, I I talk about in the book five um, five arguments. One is intuition, um, and this this shouldn't be ignored. You, you know, like I think that our basic like if if there's fairly universal intuitions, we we should have strong arguments against them if we're going to overthrow them. Um, and I think we do, and this is sort of enshrined in our language, you know. So when you tell your wife that she's beautiful, or you see uh, the Grand Canyon or a building, everyone knows that you're making a statement about that thing, not about your feelings. And so, if you believe that something is that beauty is subjective, then when I say that my wife is beautiful, what I'm really saying is something about myself, not something about her right and and we just we just don't think that right unless we've been argued into a subjectivist position um so the second thing is uh uh or well, the other one is um um the commercial practice and that was that's what i was talking about in in many of the design fields there is just this these assumed things you you go to design school and you're taught them you know just typography 101 layout 101 they're the set of principles. So when you look, it's kind of like when Jesus says, "You, you know, you're going to know them by I, uh, by their love for each other." You look at their actions to see what people actually believe. And so it's like you can you can tell me that you think this is, but you're acting like it's objective. You know, so how am I supposed to understand that? Um, you know, there's been there's been fascinating uh, just like cross cultural studies um, about beauty as well. And so. Um, You know, and and uh, that there's there's surprising uniformity, Um, and of course there's aspects of of beauty that are subjective. So if you prefer this color, you prefer this color. But we're talking about one level higher in terms of fundamental features of balance and unity and harmony and things like this. Um, And and then then the last one is is uh, just a theological point. If God is the source of all goods good good attributes good properties in the world then he has to be the source of beauty uh, th- that's just a deductive argument right and so for a christian it's it's a necessary reality um but once again god made a whole a, a whole panoply a whole diverse world and just because um there's there's aspects of 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 beauty you've got a whole range of possibilities doesn't mean there's some things that are are not objective now um to to the point about um what damage does it make is a fascinating question um because i i think it's it's wildly pernicious um in, in a million ways that are hidden to us um because you you think about this with um um there was just recent actually i just saw this today there's a and i forget what it's called it's called something like the genetics of design website where the scientists they did an eye tracking study uh uh between for instance a building with a gl- completely glass facade so that is in sort of design language it has no hierarchy uh and it's it's like um it's it's wildly simple right just one surface n- no 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 place where you're supposed to look at first second third etc and then you had a a more like classical facade of a, of a home or a building kind of kind of more like Victorian style where you had a bunch of windows that had trim, you had a larger entrance which had which had a larger trim around that, you had a hierarchy of colors and everything. And what they found was in 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 the eye tracking is that th- there was there is this very easy hierarchy and and, and um it, if people aren't familiar with this, um hierarchy in design is simply the thing that when when a work is designed whether it's whether it's visual or whether it's um, uh, musical or something you, you the author should choose how what should be looked at first second and third how do you enter into the work and how should you exit the work and that whole experience is designed and that's that's true with architecture as well um and and this makes actually experiencing the work much easier because for just e- even practical things I know where to enter in. I know my options for wayfaring, you know, and it makes it a very peaceful, uh, um, and and easy experience. Well, so when you had the classical facade, people looked, and it was v- everyone was very clear what you look at first, what you look, and, and it's and it's easy to interact with, and it's enjoyable to interact with, um, with the glass facade. People were very confused at, at where to look, and they would look to the edges of the work and then to the top and to these corners, and, it, and there was no intelligibility to it. And, 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 and so there, there are sort of a thousand of these examples when, when you're not designing, whether it's, like I said, music or literature, without attention to these things, it ends up being either chaotic or boring. Um, and and so then you, we end up filling our lives whether we're talking about the interior design of our home or whether you're talking about the, the um the types of content that we fill our minds with um and so i, I i'm sorry i'm talking too long let let, let me give one example let, let me let me t- okay let me talk so like like in in the, the in the chapters i have on um um unity and diversity it, it's talking about how these are the two most fundamental aesthetic properties and they both need to have them. And I say, you know, when, 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 you, when you see a piece of design, and once again, I'm using that in the broadest sense of music or architecture or a, a, a brochure, and you look at it and you, something doesn't feel right, you know, because a lot of is, 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 is starts with intuition. Um, you can ask yourself, is it, is it that I think this is boring or is it confusing? Because if it's boring, that means there's not enough diversity right there's so it's just a blank page and so and the way this this works out in art artistic history is you think about like brutalist architecture where you just essentially have boxes no uh no or very small windows no trim no edges right Uh, um uh, it's it's just boxes on top of boxes um if it's confusing then that, that means there's too much diversity and not enough unity, right? So you think about something like a Jackson Pollock painting, right? Where, where you're just like, I don't know. And, and, and so and when you ask yourself one of those, then you, can, then, then you can diagnose the design. And you can say, oh, okay, then I need to, if it's, if it's confusing, then that means I need to reduce... A number of aesthetic features whether it's color or scale and i need to and it's fascinating that we even we even have this you have like brand style guides which exist to ensure unity or in music you you have time signatures and key signatures to ensure unity right um and so we we even have these practices to ensure that these two properties of unity and diversity are balanced so so i think there are there are tons of ways that that we um that, that that we don't norm normally uh think about, but that affect our ways in 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 really really profound ways, like like you know when you enter into your house and everything you use, there has been a hundred design decisions that have gone into making the thing making your house making the 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 letter the way that it is, and that can contribute to uh the the beautiful and harmonious way we We interact with God and his world and other people, or it can bring chaos and disorder and lack of understanding and confusion.
0: Right. Right. okay. So with uh, it's very quick, it's very easy to see how sort of this latter half of the discussion definitely applies to the former part in terms of uh, biblical hierarchies and narrative and plot Mm. and everything else
1: yeah yeah yeah, and and, and and that's what you know that, that you know, I really hope that um, um, this book and, and, and other other resources that people put out will, will contribute to a, a greater um, uh, emphasis in education where, where you're teaching these fundamental aesthetic features of the world, because because they cross so many different disciplines and experiences of our life. They have this wonderful ability to, um, when you get trained in one thing, it applies to other areas of your life. You know, so when 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 you're trying to form your home, you can say, well, I I know about that the, that there should be unity, but there should also be hierarchy. So when I enter into this room, what's what's going to be the first person? Do they first thing they look at? It, um, is there anything? If it is, what should it be? how can that lead me in 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 good and 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 beautiful and virtuous ways um or is this confusing are, are are people unsure of what to do this is true if if you're making a dinner and you're having guests over and so all of these aesthetic features are like and it might seem super abstract but once you have the practice of being able to apply them to one, two, or three things, all of a sudden the whole world is like opened up and you'll find yourself moving through the world looking at signs and looking at buildings and listening to music. And you're like, oh, you know what? Th- that, that, that melodic line hardly moved at all. And I find myself sort of bored with it, you know? And, and you're starting to make these cross-disciplinary connections that are, are, are really compelling and helpful.
0: Now everybody's just going to be judging their in-laws' like interior design choices. So, uh, <laughs> Well, that's, every- that's kind of the goal, so I'm <laughs> glad about that. So everybody can thank John Higgins over at uh, The Bible is Art. Go check out that YouTube page. We look forward to uh, – we'll keep everybody privy to this book that you've been talking about. Thank you. Thank um, you very much. John, yeah, totally. Thank you for coming on, man. I really
1: appreciate it. Thanks for having me on, Jake. I really appreciate it.